to another area of rightly dividing the word of truth, and that is the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. The same way Israel and the church are distinct, we're going to get a distinction between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Um, it's important. It'll help you clear out a lot of doctrinal issues. It will also help you understand the church's future and Israel's future more clear. The kingdom of heaven, by way of introduction, is a physical kingdom. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. It always has been a spiritual kingdom. And it has always been governed by and always will be governed by almighty God. The kingdom of heaven, God has allowed men temporary control out of it. It started with Adam and it will end with the last Adam, the kingdom of heaven. I ask you to turn to Genesis chapter 1. Let's look at verse number 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. That's plurality. It's one God and three persons. And let them have, watch this, dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created him, he him, male and female. There's only two genders there, created he them. I don't care what they try to name this month. It's nothing to be uh, proud of when you're living in a lifestyle that's an abomination to God. That's nothing to be proud of. It shouldn't be a prideful month. Uh, verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. And here's the word again, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. What did God give man? Dominion. He gave man dominion. He was told to dominate. He had sea domination. He had air domination. He had land domination. He had animal domination. God said, this is the physical kingdom on earth that you can live on. And I am giving you dominion. Subdue it. Dominate it. Replenish it. And what else? There was one more word I got to look at because it slipped my mind. Uh, be fruitful. We understand that when we clearly look at the text. But by the time we get to Genesis chapter number three, what happened? Adam fumbled the ball. And who picked up the ball? Satan picked up on the fumble. So you had dominion given by God to Adam on a physical kingdom. An earthly kingdom, and he fumbled. Satan picked it up, and we're still under that, under that curse. This world today. When you look at Matthew chapter four, and you look at Luke chapter four, that's why uh, Satan, uh, when he's tempting the Lord, it says, "Show all the kingdoms of the, of the world." He says, "All these things will I give thee. All this power." He says in Luke, will I give thee for that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will give it. How can he say that? 
Well, God has temporarily given him dominion, power here on earth. Given by God, but nonetheless, that's the dominion that the God of this world has. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Yes, Christ defeated death on the cross. But the ball is still in Satan's court. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. And we'll see that. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. Look at verse number 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Why is it hid to them that are lost? Very simply explained in verse number 4. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine upon them. Why is it hid to them that are lost? Because someone has blinded them. Who is it? The God of this world. He's not God. But God, the almighty God, refers to him as little g God. Please pay attention. This is important stuff. Why is he called little g God? Because the men of this world worship him. The hearts of people in this world have been won over by him. He has temporary dominion given to him by God. And men and women who are lost are completely obedient to him and obey his will, just like obedient subjects would be expected to. Verse 3 makes more sense now, right? But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. We know why now. We need to get the light of the gospel out. Because they're blinded. This world, this kingdom here on earth now, <laughs> Satan has been given temporary dominion by God when Satan fumbled, oh, when when Adam fumbled the ball, Satan picked it up. Ephesians 2, we see he is called prince of the power of the air. And Ephesians 6 referred to principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness and high places. This has been and always will be an evil world. There's evil all over this earth. Because of the fall. Uh, which is why. Go, go to 1 Corinthians 10. Turn back a, a chapter. Or a book and go to chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10 verse number 20. That's why it says. Um, 
1 Corinthians 10, verse 20. But I say that the things with the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would that ye should have, and I would not that ye should have fellowship with devils. You can't get any clearer in the text. People are worshiping the devil. <laughs> and God says, don't you have anything to do with it? And you cannot get away from it here on this earth. You can go and get your tires rotated and your oil changed. And you can sit in the lobby with a quote unquote children's channel on. And you will have satanic influences coming through that screen. You can't get away from it. Sacrificing the devils, they're worshiping devils, they're into everything that the devil's into because they've been blinded. Satan has temporary control. And God says, Do not fellowship with devils. Just like God allowed Adam and created Adam to dominate. God has also allowed Satan some domination. Now, it's temporary, but he has allowed it. Daniel 2, it says, he removeth kings and he setteth up kings. Who does that? That be God. <laughs> he sets them and removes them. So right now, we have two choices of influence. We have the influence of Almighty God, the Lord Jesus Christ, or we have the influence of Satan. There's only two choices on the shelf. And you got one or the other to choose. And there has always been this fight for the physical kingdom down here on the earth. It's all throughout the Bible, and we're going to start unfolding this idea. Jesus came to this earth. And you know what the Jews wanted? You know what the Jews expected? A Messiah to bring in a kingdom. And did Jesus do it? Nope. Why did the Hebrew people, why did the Jewish nation want them, want Jesus to bring in the kingdom? Because they wanted to be top dogs. They wanted Israel to be the ruling nation. and But he didn't come the first time to do that. And they rejected him because he wouldn't deliver them from Roman rule. <laughs> Why not the kingdom we want to be? That's the heart motive. But Christ did not come to set up a physical, earthly kingdom and give them fleshly, carnal deliverance. When he came the first time. He came as a sacrificial lamb. That's why he came. Go over to John 19. John 19. <clears throat> Jesus is king of the Jews, right? Except in John 19, 
He's not crowned king of the Jews, is he? Well, in a mocking way. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him, verse number one. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, king of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. They gave him a crown, all right. It was a crown of thorns. It wasn't a kingly crown. Hail, king of the Jews. He's the savior of the world, dying for the sins of the world. Pilate, therefore, verse number four, went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. There's your king. They didn't get a kingdom. They didn't get Christ to set up the kingdom that they wanted. Put him on a cross. Behold the man. There is one mediator between God and man. You know who it is? The man. Christ Jesus. Behold the man. He's the mediator. His death on the cross secured the victory for you and I to have over sin and death. But control of the kingdom. That's still under the same control it was. That happened back in Genesis 3. The cross wasn't the kingdom. The cross didn't bring in the kingdom. Now the king will. And he will be crowned. And it won't be a crown of thorns. But not at the cross. He defeated death. Made a way for us to be saved. Jesus Christ did not fail. To bring in the kingdom. It was not a failure. It's foundational stuff. That God is laying out. When he formed the Hebrew nation. And he called out Abraham. And then. God governs them through what? The law that was given. By God to Moses. For that people. Use Joshua all through the judges to conquer land. And guess what? That, that land is going to come back into play when he is crowned, when he comes as reigning, ruling king. A throne established through David. All of that is what? Foundational stuff. And if we place it in the right spot, we can bring it all together and understand his first coming had nothing to do with him setting up a kingdom. But his second coming will. And the cross had nothing to do with the kingdom. It had everything to do with him being the savior of the world. And what Jesus came to do and what they wanted him to do when he came the first time, they just butted head with they butted head with butted heads with Jesus. Go to Luke 17. Let's look at something else. Luke chapter 17. We see in, in the very beginning, he talks about uh, forgiveness. 
uh, we can see in uh, verse number three, watch at the end of the verse, it says, and if you repent, forgive him. If you trespass against these seven times in a day and seven times in a day, turn again to these saying, I repent, thou shalt, thou shalt forgive him. And then he moves on and he talks about uh, faith. And by the time you get to verse number 20, the Bible goes on to say, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees, well, you see in verse 19, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. So he talks about forgiveness. He talks about faith. And you can't see those things. Faith and forgiveness are matters of the heart. You can't see them. Now, it might manifest in the way you live, but show me a picture of faith. Show me a picture of forgiveness. You can't do it. Those are those are inward, heartfelt things. And so watch how this ties into verse 20. When he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. They're different. The kingdom of heaven is observable. It's physical. It's earthly. It's literal. The kingdom of God is not observable. It is spiritual. And it's very interesting in chapter number 17. He talks about forgiveness. He talks about for faith. Those are all things from within. And he, by the time he gets to the Pharisees in verse number 20, he corrects the Pharisees and he says, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. You have a kingdom within the kingdom of God. You have a kingdom without the kingdom of heaven. One is earthly, outwardly. One is spiritual, inwardly. Why would you forgive somebody? Why would you have faith? Those are inward things that come out because of who you trust, who you live for, who's abiding within you. What do we see? Uh, what do we see when, when it comes to faith? Um, Is that in here? I don't think it's in this one. Well, it's not in this in this chapter. Uh, the ten lepers. Is it is in this chapter? Where is it? I thought it was in this chapter. What verse? Oh, okay. All right. I see it. Uh, verse number 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem. Thank you for that. I thought it was in this chapter that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off, 
and lift up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves unto the priest. It came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. So you mean nine were healed? You mean 10 were healed and only one turned back? Is that what the text says? Fell down on his face, his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Where does thankfulness come from? Heart. And Jesus answering said, where they're not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? He talks about forgiveness. He talks about faith. He talks about giving thanks. Which are all inward things. As Jesus does something outward to heal. Ten are healed. Everybody can observe that. Oh, the kingdom of when is the kingdom of God should come? And Jesus says, not with observation. Don't think because I'm healing leopards and you observe something that I'm bringing in the kingdom. It is within. It's within. So you have one within kingdom of God. You have one without kingdom of heaven. We're going to start. Opening up these thoughts as we go through the next series of messages. Uh, get, get in your Bible, Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel 28 and then Isaiah 14. Ezekiel 28. And Isaiah 14. We'll do Ezekiel 28 first. Ezekiel chapter number 28. Watch what it says in verse number 14. Ezekiel 28 verse 14. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Well, who's that? That be Lucifer. That be Satan. That be that old serpent. He was anointed. He had some kingship given to him by God to rule. But what was found? Iniquity. Iniquity was found. And his rebellion brought forth his death, his downfall, if you will. And that's why Genesis chapter number one, verse number two says, and the earth was without form. And void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Because before Adam fell, there was someone else that fell that had some anointing, that had some kingship, if you will, but that fell because he rebelled and iniquity was found in him. That's Lucifer. 
But he fell down to God cast him down. Okay. Isaiah chapter uh, 14. I ask you to turn to. Isaiah chapter 14. Verse number 11, thy pomp is brought down to the grave and the noise of thy vials. The worm is spread under thee and the worms cover thee. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? All of this happened, this falling down, this casting down of the anointed cherub. Happened before Adam's fall. It wasn't a human fall. It was the anointed cherub that fell. And God cast him down. When? Before he. Be, 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 before he cast Adam and Eve out of the garden. I can tell you that. Yet thou shalt. Or, or, okay sorry. For thou hast said in thine. Verse 13 I will ascend into heaven I will exalt my throne Above the stars of God What did he want? He wanted a throne He was anointed by God He was given some kingship by God But you know what he wanted? He wanted that throne He wanted God's throne He wanted to be the king of the kingdom I will exalt my throne Above the stars of God I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. God cast him down. And he ended up on earth. And it was dark. Darkness. That's why. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Because there was some darkness that was down there before Adam ever sinned. We're not talking about a human fall here. We're talking about Lucifer being cast down because he wanted to be the king. What do we see in Genesis? Um, in Genesis 3. We already talked about Adam fell. Satan is tempting Eve and Adam. Why? Because the anointing that he had, he wanted back. He wants the kingdom. I'll tempt Adam and Eve. Yea, have God said, always a changing of. Manipulating God's word, what he said. Adam and Eve fell. And guess who picked up the ball like we talked about at the beginning of the message? That be Satan. And he's got it. Now it's temporary. It's given to him by God. But nonetheless, he's got it. So we have a fall because an anointed one, Lucifer, Wanted more. He was cast down to the ground. 
Adam and Eve were made. God gave Adam and Eve dominion. Satan wanted. He tempted him. Adam and Eve fell. Now he is the God of this world that has blinded the minds of them. Believe not the gospel. And we need to bring the light of the glorious gospel into this world. We don't tell them. We don't preach a kingdom of heaven gospel. It's a kingdom of God gospel. The glorious gospel. Christ died for their sins according to the scripture. We don't tell them that they're going to be a king here on earth. Okay. Or that Christ is ruling and reigning now. He's not. Where does Christ rule and reign? If you preach the gospel to somebody and you spend the weekend with them answering all their questions. The Spirit of God moves on their heart. And they trust Christ like you've trusted Christ. Where does God rule and reign? Within in their heart. He's not going to come and be mayor or governor or the president or the prime minister. He's not going to do that. Yet, it's going to happen. It's just not happening yet. So you have the kingdom of God, spiritual within. He will rule and reign in all believers' hearts. Kingdom of heaven is a physical kingdom. God has given temporary control. When he comes back, and we'll get to all that, when he comes back, Everything prophetically will come and be fulfilled and he will come the second time and set up the kingdom. Uh, let's do three more verses of scripture. Let's go. Revelation 19. Revelation 19. Look at verse. Number 16. Revelation 19. Verse number 15, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the king of the kingdom. It's just that that verse hasn't happened yet. It will, and when he comes, he will be king of kings and lord of lords. And he will not be a suffering servant. He will be a ruling and reigning king, not in the hearts, but on the earth. And no one's going to stop him. No one's going to shut it down. It's going to be a monarch, if you want to call it that. It's going to be perfect government. This idea of taking democracy that we get from politics and putting it into the church and having the church ruled by the will of the members. It should be ruled by the will of God. And that directs the hearts and the minds of people. We don't put things up for votes. We don't send things off to uh, um, conventions and uh, all, all, all of these groups that want to decide, well, you can't leave. It up to the will of man. You've got to believe this book. If you don't believe this book, 
You don't have any authority. It doesn't matter how many people get together, how many times a year and vote on how many things they vote on. You don't have the ruling and reigning of Jesus Christ in your heart. You don't do things by the will of God. It don't matter. It don't matter who votes on what. Christ is going to come back. Not going to be a democracy. He is going to rule and reign. Um, chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. And the seventh angel sounded and there were great voices in heaven saying, here it is. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord. When's that happening? Not now, not today. It's going to happen when Christ comes back and sets up his kingdom. And you're going to have a transfer of power. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. Where is he reigning forever and ever? Right now with you as a born again child of God in your heart. You are not going to find him sitting on the, uh, the courthouse uh, ruling and reigning cook. -cook. <laughs> You're not. You're not going to go down to the hill in Nashville and walk into Jesus Christ's office. and He's going to be sitting on his big throne. It's not a physical kingdom that he's ruling over right now. But there's going to come a day when he is. Right now, he rules and reigns in your heart. Last verse, Revelation 22. Same idea. Revelation 22, verse number five. And there shall be no light there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. That'd be great. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. There's going to come a day where the power transfer, the transfer of power is going to occur. And the kingdoms of this world will be transferred. And Christ will be ruling and reigning forever and ever. But right now, we don't have a kingdom of heaven gospel. We have a kingdom of God gospel. Because the temporary control has been given to Satan. Their eyes have been blinded. We have to bring the glorious light of the gospel. So that Christ can come and rule and reign in their heart. And they can have true peace. Victory over death through what Christ did. And you know what? When he comes back, we are coming with him as his saints to rule and reign with him. All right. So that's the introductory lesson to getting an understanding of the kingdoms, kingdom of God, spiritual kingdom of heaven, physical.